Los Angeles. <laughs> it is a scorcher today, and I'm bringing you some hot news. We will be talking about the politics of sexuality. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're going to break it all the way down, pull it up, and lay it out. I have three distinguished panel, panel guests today. I have Ramon Del Barrio, Ms. Devin Ford, 
and Drian Juarez. And I want to introduce them to you. How you doing, guys? Hey. Hi. All right. Thank you so much. It's a wonderful, smiling bunch here today. <laughs> thank you for joining me. And um, I'd like you each to take time and introduce yourselves. Let's start with Ms. Juarez. Hi, everyone. My name is Drian Juarez, and I work for the Los Angeles Gay and Lesbian Center, where I manage a program called the Transgender Economic Empowerment Project. We basically help trans people find employment, transition on the job, or advocate for their rights on the job. And um, I love what I do. I, I think it's a real blessing to be able to help my community and help people understand trans issues better. Hello, I'm Devin Ford. I'm a photographer and filmmaker and activist. Uh, I'm originally from the South, but California is my home now. Welcome. <laughs> and Mr. Ramon Del Barrio. Hello, I'm Ramon Del Barrio. Director, choreographer, producer. Um, I am originally from New York, but uh, reside in California as well. Welcome. Yeah, now, um, this is a large topic that we're going to tackle today, I know, but the aspects that I love to talk about is feminism, transgender issues, and male sexuality, which stems from gay men, straight men, bi men, and gay for pay. You know, those who are not but do so how do we first of all how do each of you feel about sexuality for yourself well um i think for trans people uh there's a lot of um curiosity about how trans people have sex and mm. what body parts we have <laughs> and what have <laughs> you and what are our partners identities if they have sex with us mm. so the dynamics of gender of transgender sex are very diverse and can sometimes be challenging but mm. I think ultimately they help to break people's stereotypes of what relationships are supposed to be or look like mm -hmm. and there's a lot of land of discovery as well yes definitely, mm -hmm. definitely. and Ms. Ford how about you <laughs> You're not listening, are you, Mother? <laughs> uh, well, for women, um, I think we're supposed to pretend that we don't enjoy our sexuality. And uh, if we do, uh, we have to worry about a lot of slut shame or being made to feel, um, you know, unladylike, mm -hmm. so to speak, I guess. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think with images of women in the media a lot of times we're seen more as sexual objects than sexual beings mm -hmm. and so that's something I would like for our society to change. Hmm. Monsieur? Monsieur. Oui? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, well, uh, being a bisexual man, uh, it's a very interesting um, path. Um, a lot of straight people have an interest in what that means to gay people or gay guys usually think it has to do with denial of completely being gay and and I tell both sides that once you get you know past holes and things you put in them it's about people mm. and everyone's really caught up in the semantics of sexual intercourse mm -hmm. you know and they're like varying degrees of it mm. and um, uh, it's an interesting. It's an interesting road when we're talking about um, since it's it's huge in um, our country still women's rights. Uh, you know, uh, men trying to control 
women's vaginas still. I mean, mm. it really is. Um, Amen. <laughs> And not in a good way. Yeah, not in a good way. But it's, you know, so for me, I, I, I feel like I have a, an interesting time always riding the fence, as it were. Mm. Um, some people think that it means that we have twice as much sex. It opens up the opportunity for twice as many possibilities, but ends up usually being... Yeah. And you know, and there's, a, there's a different dichotomy <laughs> depending on your, where you're from. It's regional as well. I'm from New York, you know, we're out here on the West Coast, but then there's that vast area across America where sexuality is viewed differently, oh, yeah. where so many people are ignorant to a lot of the situations, mm -hmm. and then they have ideas preconceived without even knowing where they got them. <laughs> you know, so we have to deal with that. You know, and myself, you know, being a young man from New York, I was very experimental. You know, I, I liked people. I didn't, whether it had a skirt or pants, it didn't matter to me. And I didn't feel the need to label myself as either gay, straight, or bi. I just liked people. If you were a good person, I liked you. And I wanted to see if there could be more to that. And so sometimes I had both at the same time, but it, I didn't mean like, um, I, and they, ha they serve different purposes. You know, they're different in their own right. But I was like, if people are people, you know, there you have great people in each sex, you know, and then you have some horrible people in each sex or whatever but I but I love the rainbow coalition of living and thinking myself Well, when we talk about sexuality and preconceived notions in America, and really globally, I mean, a lot of it is derived from various books of religion, um, which are man-made and um, controlled by men. And um, a lot of the um, homophobia and fear that is generated in the world comes from men's fear of whatever homosexual acts, even though they might be trying to have those scenes with their women, mm -hmm. whether it's consensual or not. I mean, there's a large uh, heterosexual history of abuse mm. with men and women and controlling of women. And um, when you separate the different, whether it's the Bible or the Quran or the, the all the various ones, yeah. there's, there's varying degrees of, of who was accepted. Yeah. I mean... And I want to tap on that right quick. I Recently this week, I listened, to, I saw on YouTube, there was an, a reverend, named, his name is, if I'm not mistaken, Ott, and he's with the Trinity Uni Church of Christ, and he made a statement about Obama coming out with the gay marriage situation, and he was in defense of it, you know, supporting it, uh -huh. and he wrote this amazing letter, and I will be, the audience will be hearing excerpts during this, but what are your, what are your views on the gay marriage situation now? Well, I think, you know, everybody should have a right to have a family hmm. and whether they want to have a, a family under marriage or under whatever relationship they want I think it's every human being's right to do that um, but I also think we have to take a closer examination of, of what marriage is hmm. because oftentimes it's about women's power being usurped by men hmm. and men having greater control over their wives lives and their finances and, mm -hmm. and you know how they 
run their lives.、Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, we need to, in our goal to try to be equals with the heterosexual community, we also have to examine whether the equality we're striving for is something that's really healthy for human beings.、Mm. And I think if we can make marriage something that is healthy for both men and women, then it's a good thing.、Mm -hmm. And it is a hot topic in the transgender community. As well、oh, as、yeah. everyone else.、Um, do you speak to people about it? I mean, what are their thoughts on it, on the stance?、Um, well, you know, recently、um, the law changed here in California where,、um, you know, it, it made it easier for you to change your name and or gender through the courts.、Mm. So now we are legally recognized as men and women and therefore have legal rights to quote unquote heterosexual marriages,、um, mm. which is great. You know, it's a great step forward for the trans community in terms of acceptance and equality. Um, but for me, it's about, you know, do we really just want to follow、uh, a, a procedure that's been happening forever, or do we want to create something that perhaps is new but is healthier、mm -hmm. and isn't about、um, power over anyone, but about equality and love?、Mm -hmm. so. I find that really interesting because、uh, I'm a straight woman, but I'm、uh, in the gay community a lot because I feel. Like an equal in the gay community. When I go to speak to someone, I don't have to prove that I know what I'm talking about、mm -hmm. as a woman. And I love that when I meet a gay couple, they introduce themselves as partners.、Mm. For me, growing up、uh, in the South, I have always been very scared of becoming a wife <laughs> because most of the marriages that I have seen. Once you become a wife, then it's automatically your job to take care of the kids or change diapers or take care of the house. I hear many men say, Oh, I've never changed a diaper. <laughs> but to me, that's saying that you think you're too good to do it,、mm -hmm. but it's your wife's job.、Mm. I find that really、uh, disheartening、mm -hmm. and disrespectful.、Um, I don't want to change dirty diapers either, but. You know, I、it、would. Has to be done. <laughs> yeah, no know, one cooking wants to do it. Cooking and cleaning and working and everything else too. You know. So I've always been really scared of giving up、uh, my power and my control over what I want to do and being made to feel selfish、mm. uh, if I want a career and I want to be a creative person. I don't want to be made to feel like I'm selfish for、mm -hmm. wanting to pursue. My、mm -hmm. intellectual pursuits. Because、mm -hmm. for so long,、uh, women were like for men's prowess. You know, they were a accomplishment and the children were the trophies.、Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. Basically. Yes. It's、know. interesting because、um, the sanctity of marriage has been completely annihilated by the heterosexual community for hundreds of years. Yeah.、Um, if I think Gay people are the enemy. The, statis、oh. the statistics <laughs> for divorce,、mm. for spousal abuse, for child abuse.、Um, All of the different things that, that represent what is heterosexual marriage. I mean, the idea that you can get a marriage in Las Vegas like a cheeseburger, <laughs> yet people, <laughs>、uh, hum, other human beings are, are not、um, welcome to. And it's not so much not welcome to the marriage. The biggest, the biggest part of this is that we do not have a separation of church and state.、Mm. There is no separation of church and state. You can get married and celebrate your love, whether it lasts forever or ends. But when you get involved with tax breaks and rights and filings,、mm -hmm. I think the institution of marriage overall should be love who you want, have whomever you want spiritually to marry you, but create an LLC. I think、hmm. the institution of marriage should be a、hmm. business.、Um, like everything else. And the truth of the matter is, is it is a business, though, with the prenups well, and all of that. Well, it is a business. You know, and, it is. But then 
and this is a women's right issue because I'm, I, I probably come off as, as a huge feminist, but I think that women still are second-class citizens. They are the gays of yesterday. They're still fighting for their body parts. They're still not paid equally. And they they really need to do like a global slap down of the male ego, which is the real disease on yes. the planet is I the male ego. Being a man, I understand having a healthy ego, but when it comes to controlling women, uh, whether it's you know procreation or uh, financially, um, mm-hmm. women have to take the control of of still of mm-hmm. what they want. So for gay marriage, I was married to a woman, and and. I got divorced. I mean, we we gave it a go, and it, for whatever reason, it didn't work. But I was, I was amazed that just by being a woman, she was given all of these rights over me mm-hmm. because she was considered a secondary object that could not take care of herself. Therefore, she would need half of my money or half right, of my things right. as opposed to equal. Bit, so, yeah. well, look in yeah. in Wisconsin. I mean. That really is the state of the economy for women. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just repealed the Equal Pay for Equal Work Act. Uh, oh, really? Uh, on average, <laughs> women make like 69 cents on the dollar for the same work. Mm-hmm. And one of the representatives in Wisconsin even said, well, we're repealing this because it truly is more important for men to make more money because oh. they have to take care of their families. <laughs> These are things going on that's how today. And that's a, the land of cheese. Mm, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good cheese, but but wow. don't you think uh, that that's really why gay people? To me, the more gay friends that I make, the more I realize why gay people are so scary. Because gay people show us that we don't have to do what we do based on our gender. Mm. You get to choose. Oh well, I like this and I like that. Instead of saying, well, I have to wear these kind of shoes and have this kind of job and buy this set of products and do this because I have a vagina. You know, I mean, I'm <laughs> allowed to say that word. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, on, on, that, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, um, I need to take a little break. I need to breathe, stretch my legs, and get a little cocktail or something. So we'll be right back with my distinguishing guests right after this.
sunset showing on my back Dreams never come true till you turn white to black Friends are not friends in the fields of deception You let things be only when you taught a lesson We all fight with our fears and desires And the painful truth that can never be learned We look for love and we seek understanding We look for love but we all just get burned There's a surge of energy in me today, and uh, it's good, and I feel so great about my guests. Um, I want to jump in. Can we do that? Let's do it. All right. I want to jump into the transgender issue. Um, I want to bring up one of the most important situations that's going on in the community, and you mentioned that that was like economics. Yes. You know, um, trans people have a hard time gaining economic health. Mm. And, you know, the root of that is people just not understanding what trans is. Mm. And I think also a root of that is people's fears. And I do feel that, you know, a lot of our situations, um, you know, especially when you get into the corporate world, mm. are very hetero male centric. And it's men fearing trans people or trans women the fear of being attracted to a trans woman mm. and does she have a vagina and does she have or does she have a mm. penis and in west in western societies we're so caught up on genitalia mm. what's between your legs what do you do with it how do you use it and uh, the employment non-discrimination act was held up in congress just because of that issue mm. the issue was well what bathroom are trans people going to use and do they have a penis or a vagina and what are they going to do in that bathroom with a penis and a vagina in congress we were having these conversations wow. so the fact that you know our governments are so caught up in that mm. is is sort of a, a sign of why trans people can't gain economic health our government is supposed to be the example of, of mm. us doing better as a people and yet we're having these really ridiculous conversations mm. about what's interrupt people's you. legs. But one thing that is baffling to me is that a lot of the corporate men yes. go to clubs yes. where they in turn dress up. Cross-dressers. Yes, they cross-dress, take their suit off, go dress up, have cocktails, have fun, put their suits back on and go home to their wives. And gain male privilege once again. Mm. Yes, and sometimes they also even pick up transgender people or drag queens just put out there bluntly so I'm not understanding that exactly. can anybody help me with that oh well I think it's male privilege you know um, especially if you're a white man 
if you, you know, get all the privilege, you get all the kickbacks for simply just being a white man, why are you going to give that privilege up? And I see that a lot with men who are heterosexually identified who date trans women. If they are open about dating trans women, all of a sudden their heterosexual identity is thrown into doubt. So are you gay? So what do you do in bed with your partner? What, what genitalia does she have? And all of a sudden that defines that person. Even if they've worked at a company for 10 years, if they come out as having a trans partner, all of a sudden they're no longer a part of the good old boys club. They lose that privilege and, you know, they lose the ability to uh, you know, climb up the ladder and get a higher position, get, make more money. And so a lot of men don't want to lose that privilege. And uh, Devin, from, from the female point of view, how do you feel about the sexuality of the transgender or the drag queen? I mean, the man who dresses up as a woman but doesn't go through the change because there's a difference. Uh, well, you know, I'm doing a book and a documentary about a transgender uh, drag queen, although transgender and drag queen is different because mm -hmm. drag queen is like a performer. Mm -hmm. um, so I love them. You know, if someone's in drag, whether they're trans or not, for some reason, reason nothing makes me happier. Mm -hmm. But I think it's because it is uh, evidence of a freedom and of a not caring what people think. And I find people being really in touch with who they are and what makes them happy, uh, very attractive and, and uh, fun to be around. Whereas uh, people who tend to be stuck um, what, worrying about what society thinks and, you know, that's, those people aren't going to be as, as interesting, as creative, as inspiring. I'm not really going to gain much mm. from that type of friendship. Whereas right. if someone is really just being true to themselves, they're going to help me be more true to myself. Mm. And, yes. you know, because isn't that what we're all here That's for to really discover who we are? Yes. And, and get along. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because, yeah. um, uh, once again, it goes back to, you know, the age of our country um, mm. and education um, in England, the, the land of theater. Men dress up as women uh, in pantomime. Yes. It is just a, back in the day when women were forbidden to perform yes. and whatnot. There were yes. reasons for it, but I think it, it has a lot to do with um, the youth and the ignorance of our our the middle of our country you know what's not uh, the major cities like new york san francisco los angeles maybe dallas you know what we call america is really not um uh not that educated about their themselves mm -hmm. uh, and their own sexuality mm -hmm. and to explore even whatever it is if it's a, a god-fearing mm -hmm. you know christian belief of, yes. of, of how you're supposed to be um if you look at entertainment um uh, Boston Legal and um, now GCP, uh, GCB, um, which is amazing that these shows have addressed the things that they do. And um, but it's kind of it's drag queens are like the clowns of, of 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 our time in yes. the sense that you like know where a clown jester. would like yeah, like a court jester mm -hmm, or a clown. Mm -hmm. If they make me laugh that, and it's funny, oh, it's yeah, okay. It, it kind of makes it you, mm -hmm. you know and. Um, uh, I, I think that it's just an, it's unfortunate, but it has to do with education. And mm. um, our country is not high on the list in terms of uh, book education, unless you can afford it. Um, and uh, in terms of social education, mm -hmm. it's it's pretty backwards, okay. unless you're connected as a kid online and watching everything that's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. Can I? Can I? Can I? 
get a little more deeper, please? Yes. yes. I'd like to ask everyone, like, the beginning of your sexual experience, what was it like? I mean, you don't have to go into details. I mean, I don't know what you did. But, <laughs> you know, your, your first, like, around the beginning of your awareness of your sexuality, what, what was your experience like? Ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have time for today. Come back for the second half of The Politics of Sexuality with Devin, Drian, and Raymond. See you in a bit. deeper please yes, yes I'd like to ask everyone like the beginning of your sexual experience what was it like I mean you don't have to go into details I mean I don't know what you did but <laughs> you know your your first like around the beginning of your awareness of your sexuality what what was your experience like I was a late I didn't have sex until my 20s hmm. because up until that point I, I wasn't able to transition and I just felt so awkward in my body I didn't like my body the way it was um, and so when I started taking hormones and my body was feminized and I was able to look the way I felt comfortable um, you know unfortunately for trans women I think oftentimes when we transition later on in life relationships and sex become so validating that that they take up all of our energy mm. and for me I fell into uh, doing sex work because of it mm. it was my way of sort of getting caught up with not being able to explore in high school, junior high school, and having boyfriends, and because I missed out on all of that, mm -hmm. for me, it felt, now in retrospect, that my time in the sex industry was really about learning about men, and learning about sex, and learning about what I like, and what they like, mm -hmm. and, and what have you, but it's a downward spiral eventually, because... You know, you're being used and you're putting yourself in situations that aren't healthy or safe. And mm -hmm. um, it took me a, a little while to understand that and um, and really be able to identify what sex was for me and relationships were for me. And, um, you know, now I haven't dated in about a year and a half because I felt like I needed to take a break. I had two very long relationships that mm -hmm. were pretty profound, but they ended for the same reason, that 
when it came time to be open about having a relationship mm. with a trans woman, my partners were still really afraid. Mm. They were afraid of losing their friends, of losing their families, of being thought of as gay. And it's hard to find a straight man who is so secure with himself that they don't pay attention to what other people say. Mm. It seems like straight men really worry about what other people say and, and what their reputation is out in the world. Mm. So that's yeah. sort of been my journey with, with sex and relationships, you know, really restructuring the validation I get from it and really learning to love myself more mm. and, and feeling that I am valid as a female, not just because a man is attracted to me, but just right. because of who I am. Right, well, thank you mm -hmm. for sharing. Mm -hmm. I'm learning today, too. Thank you so much. And Ms. Ford, <laughs> being from the South, I'm sure you have a couple of <laughs> isms about that. Um, <laughs> well, um, I was raised um, evangelical, and I don't know, I mean, most people know who that is now, what that is now because of um, <clears throat> Rick Santorum. <laughs> Uh, so at first I was terrified of my sexuality um, and uh, even felt weird about, I can't believe I'm talking about this on the radio, uh, but even <laughs> felt weird about, you know, touching myself, felt mm. like that was a sin and, mm. you know, don't do that and, oh, I didn't like that, right. I promise. Here are your palms <laughs> and <laughs> fingernails going to fall off. That sort of thing. Um, so, uh, you know, when I waited a long time to have sex and uh, honestly, um, think that was kind of a mistake because I'd put so much uh, meaning into what that first time would be uh, and then it was with the wrong person mm. and then because of all of that you know uh, the way I'd been raised I almost felt like you know well oh my god I've had sex with this guy I'm gonna have to marry him you know, <laughs> Ooh, <heaven forbid. laughs> you know uh, so uh, it led me to stay in a really um, destructive relationship mm. for a while um, and I gave up a lot of power uh, so for me I feel like until you know I, I got out of that and spent time exploring and discovering myself and you know just like really myself and it took me a long time I guess to feel comfortable to even admit that it was okay that I liked it, to uh, admit that it was okay for me to explore, mm. um, and to not feel there's so much, e even in Los Angeles, you know, I mean, you know, if you meet a guy and you like a man, um, you think, well, how long, and every woman, whether we admit this or not, you think, well, well, how long do I have to date them so that they won't think I'm a slut? Right. <laughs> you know, okay, right. it's just making do the I decision. Do I put out, do I not put out? When should I put out? How much should I put out? It's like, yeah. who, what, where, when, why? But, Instead know. of just making the decision of, wow, like, I really want to have sex with this person, yeah. so I will. Yeah. And then, you know, if he really likes me, he'll still really like me. But a lot of men really do, you know. Mm. They uh, keep tabs of you. <laughs> <laughs> on the bed right. So you have to be very, uh, you almost feel like you have to be careful yes. as a woman. And I would like that to change. Mm. Uh, well, my mom is Jewish, my dad was Roman Catholic, and we grew up meditating. Um, so um, it, was, it was a different uh, upbringing. I was bullied for behavioral things before I knew about sex. I mean, I was kissing girls and and doing all that, but I was dancing in the Soul Train line at lunch, <laughs> baking cakes from scratch, kind of stuff. You know, my mom raised 
me, like, you know, I was her buddy and, you know, we did a lot of stuff. So I kind of had a, um, a very a female heightened uh, uh, upbringing. Mm -hmm. My dad was a musician and always working and, you know, I mean, he was the disciplinarian, but uh, my perspective was always very female, which is where I think I get my ideas about feminism and women and mm -hmm. empowering women. Um, uh, but, you know, my first sexual experience was with a girl and it was amazing and I thought I got her pregnant and because she told me, <laughs> she lied, but um, <laughs> which did not make me want to be with guys, but it, w it was just, uh, you know, I was working at Carl's Jr. making three bucks an hour thinking that I was going to have a, a kid at 15, like, oh, so no. wow, this is, this is great. Um, so, uh, you know, my attraction to men you know, was different um, in the sense that it was more emotional, like, you know, to have the camaraderie as opposed to being bullied by them, you know, accepted by them. Mm -hmm. Sex didn't really uh, come into play until later, and um, I didn't really have any, like, spiritual or... Um, didn't really feel um, any kind of pressure or guilt about how I expressed myself or if I was expressing myself. Um, I guess that comes from uh, early training that you know we're responsible for our actions mm -hmm. and, and choose wisely and, and and all of those things of course you make mistakes um, you know from my first sexual experience at 15 uh, and thinking that I was going to have a child to to all the other mm -hmm. different uh, experiences it I, I don't know I, I, yeah. I, and once, then there once are you those get past, who do oh yeah know, who, do cross that line. Well, yeah, you know, and I mean, it would be very easy to have a baby. <clears throat> and, a whole and other topic. Then, yeah, which is like I'm all Excuse for. Me. I mean, I think that there's varying levels. There's mm -hmm. a penis and a vagina for the biology purposes of procreating, mm -hmm. um, and you don't even need that really to procreate. Right. Right. So I think that the ignorance level in America is first of all teaching children biology mm. and proper Not care, sexuality. use, uh, expression, and sexuality is mm -hmm. something that comes with who you become and, and as you're becoming that person. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes who you are born as. Well, emotion, yes. yeah. And, and emotion, the emotions that can be stirred with that by suppression or release. Right. You and know. I think it, it dictates a lot of, you know, I mean, the idea that being called a fag is like the N-word, you mm -hmm. know, will it ever be the F-word? And of course, it's a different, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. thing. But it's the, the ideas behind... Um, Fags are weaker because of, for some reason, which has clearly been proven time and time again, that gay men are no less yeah. masculine than, you know, except for the ones who feel that way. Mm -hmm. and, now, and while you're on that topic, mm -hmm. I want to take a little break and then I want to come back and jump on that to do a little wrap-up right nice. quick. Okay? Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We are here getting down and dirty with sex. How do you feel about that? Okay, then. So, come on back and hear some more. All right. Ciao.
Uncle Earl here on the Underground Experience Just giving you a Dose of some soul Amidst the conversation This track is Miss Terry Tobin She is soulful, sexy And all good I want to give a shout out to Darla How y'all doing? Enjoy the rest of Love Me by Terry Tobin Sex is good, sex is cool, sex is fun, sex is dirty, sex is healthy, sex is necessary, so 
can be downright dangerous. That leads me to my next topic. There's a situation that's rampant in our society, and it stems from male perspective. We've talked about straight men. We've talked about bi men. We've tapped on gay men. And now there's another underlying current of society that is the DL society or gay for pay. It's an untapped market. I mean, it's been around since the beginning of time. No one wants to talk about it. People ignore it and deny it. And I want to open that can of worms. And uh, Ramon, do you think you could help me with that? I can try. Um, uh, you know, once again, I mean, the DL situation has to do with being accepted uh, and acceptance. And, you know, can you be a, a, a masculine man and have sex with a man? Um, and also want to be with a woman and you know because uh, most of the guys who are on the DL still operate as heterosexual men um, and sometimes uh, successfully probably more times than not um, I think the lie factor has to do with acceptance overall acceptance um, gay for pay people who seemingly who work in the sex industry have no issues with sex or sexuality so they are disconnected from judgment so when you do that for and a lot work, of times not feelings either yeah, well, it's not yeah, feelings well, it's, it's not business. it's it's once you you know you disconnect from having if you have no judgment about it you have no judgment about it it's everybody else's feeling about it not yours mm -hmm. um so i would imagine the gay for pay <clears throat> is um you know falls under falls in that category i mean ultimately globally if you just look at sexuality it's always been um dominated by men or portrayed to be dominated by men mm -hmm. um, and uh, whether it's uh, by conquest or abuse mm -hmm. or uh, seduction it's yeah, always we can been go way back to yeah, the days of Spartacus all the way back and in, in, in times when <laughs> when even the serfs where mm -hmm. women were considered sacred you know the mothers of the children mm -hmm. and whatnot and the men's had a boy mm -hmm. for whatever that was and that was part of society I mean they've been thousands of years of, of societies that have um, dealt with this and mm -hmm. it's we're 200 something years old I mean we're pretty mm -hmm. we're and the leaders in some ways but, like but <gasps> as people yeah we're still very um, behind in, mm -hmm. in in education once again mm -hmm. or exploration uh, so you know if we had to throw it to what the answer is I mean I I was thinking about that just the other day because I'm thinking, wow, I mean, gay rights are human rights. And mm. so human rights, there should be like a human order. And then there should be humanism where anything below a certain level is considered inhumane and therefore would be considered inhumane. And we would fix that. Mm. It would be hunger, um, health care, um, discrimination, uh, whether it's sexual or, or gender or, or any of the uh, race. Um, but ultimately, for me, I kind of feel like, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, uh, Devin, that um, it's, it, the answers lie in, in the hands of the women. It's the women who still are not equal. It's the women who are the mothers to our children. It's the women who have the ability to, you know, to keep their heterosexual man in line. Right. My mother kept <laughs> me in line. Um, there is, it's about the female power 
on the planet, the Mother Earth, the Kuan Yin, mm. that energy actually taking over and wiping out the male mm -hmm. ego that wants to kill, wants mm. to maim, wants to rape, wants to control, mm. wants to suppress. Yeah. And so, Devin, what is your take on that, you know, with the control of the men on the female society and, and perception on your part of how they are towards you and towards the rest of the world when it comes to sexuality? I know that's a complex sentence, I mean, question. I, I feel their general, in, uh, their energy is hostile and definitely uh, dominating very much, you know, the conquerors of you know, the world, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. modern day, <laughs> so mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, I think it's important. I, I do agree with what you said. Women in America make up 51% of the population, but we make up 16.6% .6 of Congress and 17% of the Senate. Mm. Uh, they've done research that shows that female politicians and leaders would much rather come to an agreement that is mutually disagreeable and agreeable than to be right, mm. whereas male politicians just want to win the fight. Right. And I think uh, I don't think that that is something that is ingrained in men and women from the time we're born. I think it's cultural. Uh, if you look at uh, what goes on in the media with images of women. If you look at beauty ads, I mean, I know as a photographer, and I'm myself guilty of retouching people to inhumane, st you know, <laughs> impossible standards. Well, mm -hmm. uh, and the clients, they want that kind of ridiculous retouching for the women, not for the men. Mm. So uh, as a woman, you come in for an advertising shoot and you get professional hair and makeup and the clothes are cut up to fit your body perfectly. <laughs> and then we spend two days retouching you, making you skinnier, your skin better, your, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so we create these impossible standards for women and make them objects and dehumanize women mm. and when you dehumanize a group of people you make them believe that they can't be leaders mm. you take away their power and we've seen a big shift of women really being objectified since the 70s mm -hmm. you know, we had, like I say before they're basically trophies yeah trophies and made to feel like our worth is within what we look like I, I've always wanted to write a book that was like cool things I learned from lesbians. You know, <laughs> <because> <laughs> oh, I learned a lot a of cool things from my yeah. lesbians. Yeah. Interestingly enough, because <laughs> I do tend to connect more with lesbians and, 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 and I'm not really clear on why there's a separate name, but like dykes, lesbians, gays, even within our own community, mm -hmm. but there are these uh, cross-references. But it's an interesting perspective, the women, uh, especially the more masculine ones mm. who like to hey, what's up, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, yeah. and, and shoot the breeze and talk right. about things. Punch you on the shoulder. Make it, yeah, <laughs> but, that, but also want to discuss making change and making differences. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a masculine energy, but with female sensibility, which is really... A what, great blend. Yeah, mm -hmm. which is what I, I, I feel that I pretty much am. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm very much a man, but I feel and think very uh, much the way a, a woman would. Mm -hmm. uh, but then there's also the stigmatism of the one they call the lipstick lesbian. Yes. You know, that's the more feminine one. But then I've seen some who are that, but they're strong as yeah. hell. Yeah. I you think know. a lot of, uh, I mean, think for me, like if you can see, today I have on flats, I have on <laughs> sensible shoes. And mm -hmm. I remember feeling, especially as a Southern woman, you don't go out without your face on, you put your heels on, 
you know, you're always dressed to the nines, like that is the life of a Southern lady. Mm -hmm. Well, but those heels, they really hurt, you know, and I just came to the understanding that I could either go out with my friends and either be in silently in pain all night, <laughs> whine about my feet, or wear comfortable shoes. Mm -hmm. so, you know. Choose the latter, I right? Kinda, I, and, and that's any given day in my living room. I kind of think that, you know, everybody should have a pair of heels around the house just for light housekeeping. Right. And, um, you know, I also agree they should have a pair of heels around the house, but not for housekeeping. Well, I tend to well. do most of mine in a pair, but... Um, Basically, uh, the women usually run the household and take care of the bills and the counting and everything and, and they've got it all together and tell them they do it all backwards too, <laughs> with Fred Astaire, you know like it, it, they work twice as hard and they do it all backwards and make it look pretty uh -huh. it is true that because right now you know there's all of this uh stuff about birth control going mm. on but what's funny is no one in congress mentions that viagra is covered <laughs> viagra is made specifically for sex and under the doctrine that and they're saying and for men but uh, if sex is only for procreation, then what do these old men need with Viagra? Mm. You know, okay. <laughs> well, I and, say cover and the, birth And the larger control. issue mm. about birth control and sex and sexuality, and when, when we, we spoke of biology and the kids, because it really is about the kids um, today, is the reality that now there are things through sexual transmission that could uh, put your life in risk, your health in risk. Mm -hmm. They found out that HPV uh, has been causing cervical cancer, and who, who knows how long. So maybe the heterosexuals actually have a sexually transmitted virus that causes the mortality rate of some women to change. And mm -hmm. there's all of these new statistics, and the biology of sex is, is very specific. It, it, it doesn't have... Um, any moral attachment to it. It's mm. this it, body part is used for these things, <laughs> and this body part is used for these things, right. and these are the things that That's keep it, it safe, and these are the things that put it in danger, mm -hmm. and this is the information that you need to know about, and we're losing out on all of that education mm -hmm. for the youth because HIV, uh, other STDs, hepatitis, there's so many things that are, are clearly mm -hmm. not a gay thing. It's a sex yeah. thing, and pretty much unless you're a monk or a nun you're not you're having sex so it's it seems like there's basic basic biological information mm. that we don't want to give our kids because of our adult judgments yeah on behavior wow well ladies and gentlemen you know as you see there's a lot we could go on and on with this but we at least open the door for discussion and um, please reach out to these wonderful individuals if you need more and of course Uncle Earl will be here by your side uh, thank you guys so much for coming in today. And um, on what up with soldiers, hey? Yeah? Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Underground Experience, our talk with the politics of sexuality. Stay tuned for more.
finally inspired We've got what it takes To see beyond The fears and the mistakes So here we are as one Under the same sun Still the battle's not won But we can make it you and I Starting right here Starting right now We're here for love to do what it does Hey, 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 ladies and gentlemen, how are you doing? This is Uncle Earl, your host, Captain and DJ of The Underground Experience in Los Angeles and around the world. Welcome. You know, life is uncanny. It's funny. Sometimes it's downright dirty. But there's always some light in every piece of darkness. And if there's not there, you must bring light to the darkness. Because you can't bring darkness to the light. But I've met someone who is highly enlightened. And I feel ever so enriched by his presence. He is talented. Among other things, fantastic singer, activist, and all-around good guy. His name is Mr. Lamont Wheat. He has an organization that he's working with called Skin. And, uh-oh, my mama's calling me. Ma, I can't talk to you right now, okay? Now, Skin is a new single release that's coming out, and he is coupled up with Faith Michaels, so you best beware. It's going to knock you out. And I'm just going to bring him into the fold so we can get down and dirty with it. How you doing, Lamont? You know what? I am doing fantastic. <laughs> you know, it's Friday, and it has been cloudy all week yes. here in L.A., but you know, today, uh, the sun is shining. The sun is shining. Right here on Uncle Earl's Playground. Okay. It's beaming. It's beaming. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you so much oh, for inviting so me welcome. out. And uh, I'm looking forward to having a very uh, intriguing, interesting, and exciting conversation. Yes, I think it's going to be very visceral as well. Yeah. So if I try to talk really <laughs> low, y'all, it's because his voice <laughs> commands you to talk like really low. And I'm a tenor, so oh, <laughs> it's hard my. for me to get down All there. Right. So, uh, <clears throat> but he kind of puts you in that mood when he's mm -hmm. talking. It sounds like, uh, like a, uh, who was that uh, with the deep voice? The, You'll never find. No, not that uh -oh. one. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? Playing your game, baby. Your yeah, game, baby. Uh, Barry White. Barry White, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're in a very white state of mind. Okay. All right, now, let's, let's, let's go back in yeah. time. Let's take let's it all the way back. Let's reel it in. Mm -hmm. You are from the South. That's what they tell me. That's what they tell mm -hmm. you. And, and let, give them a little history on well, you. Well, you know, yeah. I am uh, from East Texas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, when I uh, meet most people and they say, where are you from? And I say, oh, I'm from the South. Mm -hmm. And they say, oh, where? What part? And I say, Texas. They say, oh, that ain't the South. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that I am from the South. Right. I am from East Texas, which is a little pocket in the corner of East Texas, around the border of Louisiana. Okay. So you can't get no Southern than that. Okay. And I think you can hear it in my voice. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so I am from the South. I was born in East Texas, raised mm -hmm. there, and, um, you know, um, 
had an interesting upbringing. Mm -hmm. um, my dad uh, was an ex-Vietnam vet. He mm -hmm. served in uh, Vietnam and uh, was out in the late 60s and uh, met my mom. Mm -hmm. They got married and uh, started having babies. So oh, I have <laughs> <laughs> I have four other, other siblings. Okay. I am one of five. I'm the middle child. Oh, I tell wow. everyone I am absolutely in the middle Sandwich. because I split the sexes <laughs> and I split the ages and all that. I have an older brother, older sister, mm -hmm. me, and then I have a younger sister and a younger brother. Wow. So I am right in the middle. Um, Chosen one. And uh, we're all <laughs> 70s babies. Okay. And, uh, you know, had um, an interesting upbringing. You know, for so many years, I was a, uh, would, would wonder, you know, why was I born into this family? Mm. And it was because of the struggles and stuff mm. that we had. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in hindsight, as I, as I you know, got older and wiser, mm -hmm. um, you know, what uh, the lifestyle that I had, the childhood that I had, really kind of made me who I am. Mm. Um, and I take, uh, you know, all of the experiences that I had and I really apply them to my life today so that uh, I can be an inspiration for other people. So let me ask you this, since your father was a vet, did you move around or were you stable? Well, uh, my dad actually uh, served in Vietnam and actually, you know, Vietnam was over at the end of the 60s, so okay. we were in East Texas. Okay. Um, you know, we didn't move around, but you know, we were impacted by uh, him having served in the, in the armed forces. Right, right. Um, you know, he uh, did receive a Purple Heart, um, you know, and, but some of the... And he gave it to you. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I need to go look for okay. it. Okay. I, I think my mom has it, but okay. um, uh, my uh, father actually, um, when he, you know, came out, he, you know, it was pretty traumatic, mm -hmm. and today you hear a lot about PTSD, which is post-traumatic stress yes. disorder, yes. and so my dad suffered from that for many years wow. and we didn't understand that we just thought oh he's lazy he's not doing right he's not being responsible mm. but it was really just you know the effects of him having served in that war and mm. lost so many friends and you know people that he served with yeah. so um and he's self-medicated you know, oh, okay. Well, you know, yeah. as a lot have to. Yeah, and us. so, you know, as a result of him self-medicating, that impacted, you know, us as, yes. as a family. Yeah. Um, so, um, and it was just before he died in 2008 that he and I actually got complete. We had a conversation mm -hmm. I was able to really accept and understand, mm -hmm. you know, why it was that he made choices that he made. Mm -hmm. It was mm -hmm. as a result of, you know, where he was in his life. Right. And, you know, I mean, imagine yeah. that type of living daily. Yeah. yeah. You know, being in combat out there in yeah. the woods, the jungle, you know. Yeah, well, think of, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of like, you're fighting to save your own life. You mm -hmm. know, you're shoot, shot, shoot or be shot. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, he lived through that. He also lived through a lot of people that he, you know, left uh, to go fight for, yeah. to fight with. Uh, being killed, yes, and seeing that, yes. and, you know, coming back without them. So, you know, there's a lot that, that goes into that. I've never uh, been in the military or served. I've, a lot of my family has, but, you know, I can only imagine what mm. our service men go through, mm -hmm, you know, when they're mm -hmm. in a war or in combat. Mm -hmm. So um, I really got to respect and appreciate my dad for all that he did do, yeah. you know, uh, living through the obstacles that he had dealing with PTSD. Yeah, and, you know, and, and then they come back, you know, and they're, they're not serviced very well. Yeah. You know, and it's like, what's wrong with you? What do yeah. you mean, what's wrong with me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, hello, yeah. I was only dodging missiles and bullets and, oh, yeah. you know, landmines. It's like, I mean, we have that here, too, but yeah. in another sense. You yeah. Know, you know, there's a standard. <clears throat> I think yeah. there's a standard that uh, most people 
uh, have in their minds when they say, okay, our servicemen are going to come back and be taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, I think in the era of, you know, post-Vietnam, uh, not really considering PTSD and other effects that uh, veterans have, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there was requirements that had to be met in order for you to get the services that mm -hmm. were available. And some people just weren't able to follow through and, right. you know, stick with, you know, for my dad, I know for him, it was reliving, um, you know, the war when mm -hmm. he had to go through the process of mm -hmm. filling mm -hmm. out papers and, mm -hmm. you know, documenting what happened. And, um, you know, he actually applied for assistance, I think, in 1972, and mm -hmm. he wasn't awarded until 2003. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm speechless. Yeah. Ooh. So, you know, and, and that was just the, you know, the, the effects of his um, having been in the war, not, you know, his not having the due diligence to follow through with the requirements. Mm. But um, I was able to assist him and Great. others in my family, and you know, he was able to to get that. One thing about my dad that I remember is he would always sing, mm. and um, you know, down in, in in the country, you know, we. You know, we were all raised in the church. They called mm. it the Bible Belt. Right. So my dad would always sing, but he had he was stay he said he had stage fright. He would never pursue. His but he music. had a nice voice. He had an amazing voice. Yeah. He would always you know sing whatever was on the radio. He could sing it back. Wow. And uh, I just remember that, and I also remember him you know wanting to fulfill his uh, ambitions to be a singer, but having you know the fright and not doing it. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. a lot of you know the reason why I sing is to fulfill what mm -hmm. he wasn't able to fulfill. That's beautiful. You know. All right. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to get a sampling of that. Not right now. You've got to hang around, okay? Uncle Earl needs to take a little break and pause for the cause. So um, if you'll hang in there, you're going to hang in there with me, right? Absolutely. Why wouldn't I? All right. Now. <laughs> well, God, now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back here on the Underground Experience right after this. <laughs> You know, Uncle Earl, you know, one of the things that really has uh, been impactful for me, is, you know, as being a songwriter and working with, you know, different producers all over the world, is having a distinguishment uh, between being attached to a project and being committed to a project. And, you know, it took me a little bit of, of time to get that, but now I'm, I, I actually teach other people that um, that attachment actually stops a project because you are attached to an idea of how you think it should turn out. But when you're committed to it turning out great, you know, you're more open to working with the other, other person and receiving what they have to say to you and, you know, going back and forth. So, you know, I think, folk, when you're writing a song or if you're working with a team of people, you know, really check in with yourself and see if you are committed or if you are attached. 
Um, some of the things that you can look for when you're attached is uh, getting emotional about whether what you contributed is going to be cut or if it's going to be used or, you know, if you should um, have your name on it, you know, if it's a big project. Those usually are signs of attachment. If you're committed, then you're open to the possibility that the project is going to be great if there's three people working on it or if there's a hundred people working on it. And your, con your contribution is what will make that uh, project great, whatever it is, how great or small. So that's been very helpful for me. Chicago's <laughs> <The> wild. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for that. Thank you for that because, you know, that, that, that is so great. And, you know, I'm looking, sitting here looking as you're speaking to me and I see it. You know, I can see it. And on your card that you gave me, you have I am the possibility of unity, acceptance. And, and love. love that's right so and the reason i put that there beautiful. is because i you know it, it was a discovery for me uh that you know we're all in this together <laughs> you know so 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 often we get um attached to these ideals in our head you know get a good job get you know get married have kids you know make a lot of money <laughs> and then <laughs> we're going to be happy right and we do that <laughs> we we are so committed to yes. that that we do it at the expense you of up others. Set a shell shock. Yeah, and we, and we do it at the expense of others. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know, we're not about uh, community. We're not about working together. We're about our our attachment. What yes. we're attached to. Mm -hmm. We're attached to that white picket fence and the big mm -hmm. house and mm -hmm. all of those things. The bling bling in the car. And yeah. the reason I say I'm the possibility of unity, acceptance, and love is because really we all are, mm -hmm. but we lose sight of that because we get attached to different things. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, having that on my card, I, you know, I put that on there because I want to remind everyone that, like, we are here for each other mm -hmm. and no one can do it alone. Um, it's all about community. It's all about working together. Really, it is. Day, yeah. Really, it is. But, um, you know, I want, I want them to at least have, I know we've been, you know, playing a little bit of the music mm -hmm. underscore in here and there, but I just want them to get the realness. But before you do that, I'd just like to talk about a few people, notable yes. people that you've worked with. For one, one of my favorite, favorite people, Madame Jennifer Hudson. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, it was... It, it was an honor to, to yeah. be a part of that project. It was mm -hmm. a remix to a song that was officially on her uh, I think last uh, release. Mm -hmm. And um, I had an, an opportunity to, to write, and I wrote my lyrics and sung my part, and, and we put it out. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a production done by Mono Blanco, who's mm -hmm. out of Britain. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I commend Jennifer for all of the success that she's oh, had. Yeah, and, yeah. through you know, adversity. Yeah, through adversity. Yeah. And, um, you know, she is, you know, a, a living witness that, you know, if you stay committed to uh, your long-term dream or short-term, that mm -hmm. it can be fulfilled upon, mm -hmm. um, you know, in abundance. Yes, yes. All right, well, would you give us a little sampling here right now, just you know, off the cuff? I, yes, you know, I, um, <laughs> I was uh, doing an interview um, for Lunel's birthday party, mm. and it, uh, the host was saying, "Oh, well, you should sing Happy Birthday to her on the camera." And I thought, you know what? She's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I should just sing, "You are so beautiful to me. You are so beautiful to me. Can't you see everything that I hoped for?" And Everything I need, 
You are so beautiful to me. Isn't that much better than happy birthday? Yes. <laughs> I'm getting over a cold, but <laughs> thank you. That was beautiful. No, really, that was nice. Very nice. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, that was just for Uncle Earl. <laughs> just for Uncle Earl. Yeah. On the playground. <laughs> On the playground. Wee, wee, wee. I want, I want, that's my swing. Give it to me. Wow. So, um, okay, now, we, like we said, we have this new release, yes. Skin, coming up with Faith Michaels. Yeah. First, How was that collaboration? You know, Skin is great, and uh -huh. it's going to be an amazing song. It'll come uh -huh. out in about three weeks. Okay. Right now, we are, I'm excited to say, um, I released a song in December. I think I mentioned this to you, called Still Standing. Yes. And Still Standing um, is a song about all the causes that we're standing for, uh -huh. you know, whether it's hunger, cancer. I actually attributed it to uh, HIV and AIDS awareness after okay. uh, attending the United States Conference on AIDS in D.C. Uh -huh. And uh, I'm so excited to say that um, it was in the top 100 to nice. the new R&B releases on, I on iTunes. Okay. And it is available on iTunes. Great. And uh, this year it will be featured at the International Conference on AIDS in Washington, D.C. So I'll be performing for 35 minutes on the main stage, and I will be uh, sharing with the world uh, still standing. Hercules. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Great. Wow. Nice. So Skin is, again, it's, uh, it's all about love, and uh, it'll be releasing in about three weeks. Right. We have a team of global producers that have produced and contributed to the project, mm -hmm. and uh, it's going to be exciting. All right. Well, I can't wait to get yeah. my little groove on. Yeah. We, we just want people to be inspired <laughs> to love the skin they're in. Hey. Right? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, because we didn't choose it. It chose us. Okay. <laughs> Learn it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, Lamont, I thank you so much for this time. Yes, I've had an amazing time. And so you know, cozy in but, here. Hey, welcome. You know, and this is not the beginning. It's not the middle. It's not the end. We're on a continuous journey. Absolutely. This is just another yeah. notch in the rung or rung in the yes. belt. And, you know. We'll be doing some things. Yeah, and I can't wait to see you on that red carpet at the skin event. Okay, I can't wait either. I'm going to have to give me a little outfit. <laughs> Fit out. <laughs> oh, 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 before we go, got to give a shout-out to our girl Gina. Gina Dunn. Gina, we love you. Over we in know Frankfurt. you're probably listening to us now under the weak sound of our <laughs> okay, voice. right. Gina is, you know what? I ran into Gina. Well, I didn't run into Gina. We actually connected through Facebook. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I was like, who is this woman, you know, sending me this note from Germany and like <laughs> I love to connect with people yes. in Germany and I was like wow a black woman in Germany yeah so it's so funny that when I accepted her friend request she called me mm. well she said can I call you I gave her my number mm -hmm. she called me mm -hmm. when she spoke it triggered me back to 2008 and this was in 2011 when we spoke for okay. the first time. Okay. But it triggered me back to 2008 when I was in Berlin. Mm. I had just flown from Berlin to mm -hmm. Frankfurt. And I was trying to get directions to figure out which line I need to get on. And do you know the person that gave me the directions was Gina? Gina. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so ironic that when we connected on Facebook and we spoke, and we were triggered back to that. Not only was she the one that gave me the directions when I stopped her mm -hmm. at Frankfurt, Maine, she mm -hmm. also happens to uh, be from the same hometown that I'm from, Kilgore, Texas. And she was raised one street over from me. And that, see how life is? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and we worked together over in Germany, I mean, for about eight months, eight, nine months, mm -hmm. working on a Ray Charles project. I love her to death. Yeah, she's amazing. She was my bus buddy. Yes. Awesome <laughs> vocalist. I tell you, oh, I'll yeah. call her sometimes, and she'll just go into a song, mm -hmm. and we'll sing together on the phone. Mm -hmm. She's awesome. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. Love you, Gina. So, Lamont, thank you again. Thank and, you um, so much. You know, Onward Up With Soldiers, right?
Onward, 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 onward. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been a special spotlight moment with my friend, Mr. Lamont Wheat. And um, look out for him. Oh, please give me a website. Yes, you can uh, find me at LamontWheat.com. You can also look me up on Facebook at Lamont Wheat and follow me on Twitter at Lamont Wheat. Okay. And you can't have his phone number. Cannot have the phone number. All right. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Yes, I enjoyed it. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. There'll be some more coming up right after this. Yes, and my dad would always sing. He would sing, "Darling, you send me. I know you send me. Darling, darling, you send me." Honest you do. And he would never sing in public. And I was like, my dad has a beautiful voice. just a dancer. He's an inspiration. Dedicated to sharing his unique gift 
with whoever is willing to learn. Rhythm's devotion to others is as unshakable as his love of dancing. Like most performers, he began honing his craft at a young age, five years old to be precise. By 11, he was performing as a professional. Reared in Los Angeles, a birthplace for big dreams, Rhythm's first formal training was hip-hop. And I have him in the studio with me today. Just to give you a little taste of what he's gone through, he's inspired by legendary dancers Michael Jackson, Fatima, and Debbie Allen. Rhythm has established himself as a force on the dance scene. He's worked with numerous megastars, including Jessica Simpson, Will Smith, Backstreet Boys, Mary J. Blige, Neo, and Santana, among others. He also lent his talents to the cult dance hit You Got Served, starring B2K and Marcus Houston. And while he's proud of his accomplishments and the work he's done with celebrities, basking in the limelight is not what drives him, and that is why he is my friend. How you doing? Hello. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the underground. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. Yeah, I man, I just want you to be relaxed, be good in here. This is the playground. This is where we have fun. We okay. share love okay. and understanding. Yes. Wow. I mean, you have such great accomplishments. Thank you. Thank you. And still doing your thing. Amen. Yes. Amen, right? Yes. 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 Still doing it. <laughs> yeah, so tell me, how did that happen at five years old that you were so inspired to start dancing? You know, um, I still wonder to this day. <laughs> I'm always, it's always kind of replaying in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know my father, he's a, really a big inspiration. He, mm-hmm. he never pushed me to imp- uh, imitate Michael or anything mm-hmm. like that. Uh, right. He would always say, hey, you got to go, you know, start back from the drawing board. If you haven't <laughs> been practicing enough, yeah. go get down there and do it. So I would just, you know, he, he wouldn't even say go do it. I would just um, actually you know, work the, the A-track myself. Ooh, A-track. Yeah, I was, I was working the A-track like, <laughs> like, right. like crazy. So, um, and, you know, that was my inspiration, that push. My father, the, my father was the push, and mm. then, you know, the television, man, mm. the music, mm. the soul music around me, the yes. whole, the 80s, you know, that whole feel mm-hmm. was just, you know, of course, I soaked it up like a sponge, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Michael, man, I'm like, from MTV to and whatnot, that's definitely what, you know, gave me my inspiration, mm. you know, and, and just to know that, you know, Michael, um, how he was able to transcend that and convey his, his love mm. through, it's crazy. And messages. See, yes, yeah. yes, through the television, it's mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you feel that energy coming out there, right? Yes. You know, that's, 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 that's a gift. It's hard, you can't, yeah. you know. Some, some manufacture it, but some it's in, if it's in you, it's in you. You know that's the thing, right, right. there. But did you have um, other dancers around you, or uh, was that, it solely on the TV and what you saw? And, solely on the TV, yeah. solely on the TV. Yeah. So you know, from five and you know throughout you know growing up, kids to youth, maybe you know I was eleven. Um, I started dancing professionally. Mm-hmm. And um, but what was I, your very first job? Reebok. Oh. Working with Reebok. Uh, it was an industrial. Okay. At the age of at the age of eleven. Wow. Um, my good buddy of mine, we were in, you know, junior high, and uh, he was like, hey, this is audition for Reebok, and mm-hmm. you should come try it out. That was my first professional experience, so I went to this studio called Regina's. Mm-hmm. It was, um, mm-hmm. yeah, they were, uh, they were, they specialized in hip-hop at that time. They yes. were located in La Brea and, uh, and Wilshire mm-hmm. and whatnot, and, um, you know, 
my buddy invited me to the audition. We, you know, we we handled it at the audition <laughs> as little kids, you know, doing yeah. our thing. And um, yeah, so that you know that led to me working with Reebok, mm. uh, and then from there from there on, we you know we traveled the world. We got to go to Germany, France, mm. the States, you know. Nice. And at this age, you know, that I was it was so impressionable, you know. And um, that's that's what got me here. Mm. Mm-hmm. Pretty much into in this seat right now, <laughs> <laughs> essentially. Right? Aww, no, seriously, seriously, yeah. seriously. You know, nice. it's beautiful. So cool. Yeah. And um, so you you grew up here in Los Angeles and you travel the world. Mm-hmm. Um, what's one of the places that you really, really felt at home or you really got attached to? Uh, Japan. Yeah. I tell everyone. Yeah. Like yeah. that's my home. That's yeah. my home. Yeah. And and it's it probably past lives, and I'm sure it's past lives that you know. Mm. Um, but I, I definitely feel a really deep connection there. And um, when I uh, when I was younger, I, uh, I had the experience to uh, go there like fresh out of high school, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, my my teacher, his name his name is Tony T. Rest in peace. Yes, yeah. um, I know Tony. Tony, yeah. yes. I knew him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, uh, he 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 raised me, you mm. know, in in, a, in, a, in the street street dance art forms. Mm-hmm. He he mm-hmm. he provided a, a platform to like to learn locking mm. these are black dances mm-hmm. okay right. he's japanese right so <laughs> right you know he he you know he lived here of course and he he was inspired by the culture mm-hmm. and then he was able to kind of you know create his own thing and take it there and teach right. them so vice versa you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. i'm learning how to lock from a japanese cat. okay <laughs> <laughs> you know like okay cool hey. you know but that's just that's just the power you know mm-hmm. of, of mm-hmm. dance so. mm-hmm. now when you when you were in, were in japan were you teaching and doing choreography or just what was going on tell me about it yes uh, um i i was i basically went there to teach to mm-hmm. teach and then also do a performance mm-hmm. and um uh, I was there part of uh, the, the pro course. The pro course was a, um, a training system to help people learn rhythm and then locking, popping, you know, breaking all mm. facets of street dance, mm-hmm. you know, not, mm-hmm. just, not just one. Right, right. And uh, right. so, uh, you know, being out there, I got to, you know, th- just meet so many great people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in Japan and, uh, and then as well as teach workshops and travel from... Uh, Tokyo to Osaka to mm. Gifu, mm. Kyoto. Um, What's one of your favorite country? Isn't it? Oh, it's beyond. It's it's, oh, it's crazy. Man, it's crazy. I've been. Have you been to the onsens like up in the mountains? Oh yeah, I'm Ooh. I'm about to go like right after this. <laughs> oh man, here I'm jealous. In LA. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, definitely. You yeah. know, I've experienced that in you know exactly in the mountain. You're mm. just like. You're looking out there. It's just like, natural. Just, I was like, whoa. The trees. Is, okay. See what I'm saying? Yeah. It's almost like a nat- It's a natural trip. Yeah. So you're going soon? <laughs> yes. Yeah? Yes. October. I'll be out there nice. again for a nice. wedding. My, my friend's wedding. He, nice. He uh, summoned me. So I have to go out there and dance. All right. Yeah. All right. So this brings me to um, what's going on. You're, you're here. You have this great project coming up and going on. Um, you're an amazing teacher. You know, an amazing dancer. And just a great person. You know, every time I've met you, you've been, you know, the same, on the level, very humble and just gracious person. And thank you for being you, first of all. But um, you, you're doing something special with children. Right, right. And that is highly commendable. Yeah. Could oh. you tell us about that, please? <laughs> okay. How did it begin, first of How all? Did How did it begin? Okay, um, teaching children, mm-hmm. um, working uh working at Tony's studio mm-hmm. he uh he he gave me the opportunity to 
work with maybe three-year-olds, four-year-olds, mm -hmm. three, you know, little kids, and, mm -hmm. and uh, even some... That's a challenge. Youth. Yes. <laughs> and, and that gave me the, the, the appreciation of um, teaching. I mean, you know, these young spirits, man, these little, these little adults. Yeah. You know, that, that's what originally gave me the, the opportunity to, like, teach kids. So from, since then, I've been, like, connected and just open, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. with children specifically, mm -hmm. you know. And um, yeah, that's 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 where it began. And right now, um, I teach. Right now, I teach in the community mm. after school program. Great. Um, that's great. great I, you yeah. know, I, I teach them. I teach them a routine for about two weeks. I'm at different schools at a time. Mm -hmm. I teach. Um, I teach dance. They learn a routine, and after that, I give them a health food party. Oh, so right. I go there and I, okay. I, I juice it up for them. <laughs> some things, you know. Okay. So um, and, and also, I'm uh, aside from that, I'm working on. Um, I have a I have two dance crews. I have one Rise. They're called Rise. Mm -hmm. They're they're located in Torrance. There's four girls, mm -hmm. and um, they're they're sweet, really sweet. And then I have uh, another crew. They're called AKA, mm -hmm. and this is going to be uh, an all style dance crew. Mm -hmm. It's developing the uh, the audition is uh, coming up on June second mm -hmm. at um, at Born to Play uh, Productions, okay. Born to Play Studios. Uh, Where is that? Uh, that's uh, two six two one. Pico Boulevard, mm -hmm. uh, Unit K. Unit K. <laughs> 90405, that's Santa Monica. Right. Um, that's 7 p.m. sharp. Mm -hmm. uh, we're looking for kids from uh, 9 to 15, mm -hmm. 9 to 15 years old, who, uh, who love dance, who mm -hmm. love freestyle, who love you know, choreography, anything, mm -hmm. and they're, that are open to foundation, because that's what I stress, mm -hmm. you know, um, is foundation, because you, you, know, you have to go back right. to move forward. Oh, you right. know, you that's have right. to. You have it's like to like do. when they build a house, you got to tear down the found, build the foundation again, and then build up. Right, right. You can't right. put it on top of it; it's just shabby. Oh, oh gosh, you just like man, shabby. You know, exactly, just, just shabby. I can't. Yeah, I, like I feel honored to use that word. Like, it's shabby, it's shabby. So, but, yeah. I, but I want to, I want to let yeah. the listeners know. I mean, how we met too. Right. right. We met way back. We were both at uh, Debbie Allen's Dance Academy. Right. You were teaching, and I came in to help Debbie for a summer intensive. Mm. And we hit it off from the beginning, you know. I mean, we were busy. We were like, hey, how you doing? You're running from studio right. to studio. You know, it was right. crazy up in there. But yeah. it was like thousands of kids. Right, right, right. Thousands, you know what I'm saying? Yes, from all over the nation. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it's, you know, that, that definitely gave me a lot of experience, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, big time. Mm -hmm. You know, working with Debbie mm -hmm. and her kids and her early birds. Man, I used to be in that <laughs> studio, man, with like 40 kids right. alone, like <laughs> no assistant. Okay, okay which is right. great, but that, that you know, mm -hmm. oh. But I'm it a, teaches a you a lot, too. It teaches you humility, yes. patience, and understanding. I mean, yes. just breathe. Right. You know? Yeah. Because if you get stressed out, then they go bonkers. Oh, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> they oh, will yeah. jump out the window. Yeah. But but it's all great, and um, mm -hmm. Debbie's been an inspiration to me, and she's helped so many people around the world, and I thank her, you know, for everything she's done. But um, you, you have... um. HipHopDanceTV.com. Yes. Yes. HipHopDanceTV.com. Okay, that's with my partner Maya uh -huh. uh, and Eclipse, uh -huh. and then uh, Benedicta. She uh, she teaches ballet. It's funny. She this is Benedicta, uh, our sister. We're all you know we're all family. Yeah. Um, yet we all collaborated to start Hip Hop Dance TV, and this is a free website mm. for it's inter, it's an international website that I mean people from everywhere has joined, and um, we. We're basically offering our, you know, we're giving up the ghost. We're giving up our, mm. you know, our talents and sharing our talents, mm -hmm. you know, to the world. You know, the, obviously. It's like an international cultural exchange. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So Great. 
um, yeah, that's what we're doing right now. When we're planning to, um, we're planning to, to, we're working on a pilot right now in regards mm -hmm. to traveling and teaching dance and helping, helping people through dance mm -hmm. to the point. Mm -hmm. Help in dance. That's that's our whole goal. Okay. And we love to travel, of course. It's, mm -hmm. like, it's, it's in our okay. blood. It's in our blood. <laughs> Gypsy forever, right? I'm like, yo, yeah, exactly. I'm like, shoot, you know. So that that's that's the thing with hip hop dance TV. Um, we, you know, we're, we're moving and pushing and just, it's, it's great. It's great. Um, like, for instance. One question for you. Could you tell me one of the most exciting experiences you've had in your dance career? I know you've had many, but one that really pops out there. Wow. Maybe, <laughs> you know what? You know, Will Smith pops in my mind right now. And then maybe uh, dance, working with him for the inaugural. Mm. It might have been for, um, yeah, for uh, Mr. Bush at the okay, time. Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> <If> anything. Okay, <laughs> President right. Bush, Excuse me, for nice. President Bush, I have to be very respectful. Yes, yes. Um, yes, and that's working with Will Smith, man, uh, dancing on the steps at the Lincoln Center, uh, you know, whatnot. Nice. Yeah, mm. yeah, and he's, his energy is wild, man. This is, I'm sure. I mean, he'll, he'll step in the room and he'll speak to everybody. Mm. No joke. Mm. But. And you feel him. And yeah. You feel that presence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's strong. Now, I want to... Yeah, ask. it's all good. Cool, cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, could you leave a word of inspiration for the listeners, you know, people up and coming that uh, or feel like they're alone out there, you know, mm. about mm. how to persevere, you know? Yes. Um, I would say to breathe you know wake up and also breathe not only well, not only breathe but move you ha it's vital you have to move i mean my mentor tells me he he's like a wordsmith and he's like look up the word vital mm. you know and it involves movement breathing and living you know if you're not moving you're not living mm. you know mm. obviously a lot of us you know a lot of society they may be confined to a chair and a desk and a you know, office mm -hmm, and stuff, mm -hmm. but, you know, sit on a yoga ball or something <laughs> right. at the desk. Mm -hmm. Do something. Move your move your hips. Move your body. Mm -hmm. You know, your center. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's important. Breath. Mm -hmm. Breathing. And just, Keep that energy cycle flowing. Yeah. Clear that yeah. blockage. Kind of be conscious of it. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, how you can, you'll stop sometimes mm -hmm. and be like, oh, my God, I'm not breathing. Let me breathe. Right. <laughs> You'd be like, I wasn't breathing for t 20 minutes. <laughs> Like, dude, what's going on? You're going to so, pass out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I thank you so much for coming and sharing your time, your love, and your energy here with Uncle Earl Underground. And could you please give them your contact information once more and the information about the upcoming auditions? Okay, perfect. Um, you can contact me at uh, hiphopdancetv.com. Uh, all of my information is on there. And uh, we have an audition coming up at Born to Play Studios. That's in Santa Monica. It's uh, 2621. Pico Boulevard, Unit K, okay. Unit K, <laughs> 90405, uh, the kids, I want the kids to come out, I'm mm. telling you, like, from 9 to 15, if you dance, I just want, it, you don't have to be, like, the best dancer, just come, because mm -hmm. I want to, passion wanna, works, yeah, too. I want to see, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, see, you know, feel, feel mm -hmm. the energy, because mm -hmm. you never know, you know, this, you know, this is going to happen. And then, you know, in the future, a lot of, a lot of other things are going to happen. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. uh, come. It's at 7 p.m. Sharp. <laughs> Be sharp. Have mm. fun. Let's just, let's, just, let's have a good time. All right, Let's have man. a good time. Cool. Uh, yeah. We'd like to say one more thing. Sure. Um, uh, I, have, uh, I had a session last night. Uh, it's called Groove Sessions L.A. Mm. With, my, uh, with my partner, Don. Uh, his name is Kay Toomey. Um, we had a great time last night. And um, we, it's, it's a dance movement type oriented mm -hmm. event okay and um 
it'll it'll be going on like once a month. So um, we'll, we'll, I just want people to know that yeah. group. If you look at you know check out Facebook group Sessions LA, just join us and we'll keep you in contact with our our event. And it's all about dancing and movement and just various forms of music. Mm. So. Cool. Just wanted to like, like yeah, man. Yeah. All right. Yeah, thank well, you. thank you so much for coming in, hanging out with Uncle. Al. Thank you. All right. All right. <laughs> and we'll be in touch. Okay. This yes, is this yes. is we're just on the journey. Okay. All right. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. This has been a spotlight moment with Mr. Daryl Rhythm Whitaker, and there'll be more thank right you. after this. <laughs>